Hey, it's Rochelle, and you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a production of Catholic Answers. Welcome to the place to transform the world by transforming yourself. For those of you not paying attention, we got a new saint last week, St. Pope Paul VI, and the crowd goes wild. (sighs) Anyways, Pope Paul VI, you may remember him from our episode on Vatican II, right? He's best known for being the pope who led the Second Vatican Council and an encyclical titled Humanae Vitae that he wrote in 1968. Now, if you're not familiar with an encyclical, it's a letter that's written by the pope for the whole church. So that's you, me, all of us, right? And actually, in effect, for the world. So Humanae Vitae means human life. And so this encyclical that he wrote was about the conception of human life and birth control. Now, I was toying with the idea of speaking about natural family planning today, but I did decide against it. But I was going to cover why my husband and I practice natural family planning, um, the correct and incorrect mentality that accompany it, and kind of like how it affects our marriage, stuff like that. But I wasn't sure how it was going to go over with you guys. So if that is something that you would like, let me know. You can contact me, private message me on Instagram at clumsytheosis, or you can email me clumsytheosis at catholic.com. But without further ado, let's move on to our actual topic. So instead of Humanae Vitae, I was inspired by another encyclical that St. Pope Paul VI wrote on the Holy Eucharist titled Mysterium Fidei, which means mystery of faith. And you may recall hearing your priest chant these words during the Mass, and it would have gone probably something like this. Mysterium Fidei. Right? Does that ring any bells? Okay. Anyways, when the priest does that, he's referring to the Eucharist, right? Because the Eucharist is the mystery of our faith. And Pope Paul VI said in this letter, he said, anyone who has a special devotion to the sacred Eucharist will experience and fully understand just how worthwhile it is to carry on a conversation with Christ. For there is nothing more consoling here on earth, nothing more efficacious for progress along the paths of holiness. And as I reread this letter, I was reminded of how undeniably beneficial adoration of the Blessed Sacrament has been in my spiritual life. St. Maximilian Kolbe said this about Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament. He remains among us until the end of the world. He dwells on so many altars, though so often offended and profaned. Now, I cannot tell you how comforted I am every time I pass by a Catholic church or even when I walk down one of the hallways here at Catholic Answers near our chapel because Jesus, Emmanuel, God truly with us is present in the world, like physically present. Now, unfortunately, it is true that Jesus in the Eucharist is often offended and profane today, like just as it was true during the time of St. Maximilian Kolbe and St. Pope Paul VI. And that's why he wrote the letter Mysterium Fidei, to call us to right belief and praise of the Eucharist. Because at the time, there was some cray-cray teaching about the Eucharist that the faithful were buying into. Like, basically, basically, they were denying 
that the Eucharist was the real presence of Jesus. And you can imagine that if someone doesn't believe that the Eucharist is truly God, then their reverence for it and their devotion to it will cease. And that is such a tragedy. I mean, God alone is due praise and worship, right? For us to offend or profane the Eucharist is horrific and technically a cause for our damnation. But God didn't decide to make himself present in the Eucharist just so that he could be praised, right? He's not an egomaniac. Like our praising him is not for his benefit, but for ours. And I touched on this in the episode titled Prayer, Are You Doing It Right? So go back and listen to that episode if you need some kind of a refresher. But Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament to be with us always, to remind us of the love that he has for us, the love of the Lamb who was slain to unite us to himself in Holy Communion, right? Communion, we're communion with him, as well as to unite us with our brothers and sisters in Christ to form the mystical body. So when calling us to foster a Eucharistic devotion, St. Pope Paul VI wrote, Jesus in the Eucharist raises the level of morals, fosters virtue, comforts the sorrowful, strengthens the weak, and stirs up all those who draw near to him to imitate him so that they may learn from his example to be meek and humble of heart and to seek not their own interests, but those of God. And oh my gosh, like what a gift. Like this is so true. Like just being in Christ's presence will manifest all of this goodness, right? Like you don't have to do anything. You just have to have an interior disposition that says, yes, Jesus, I accept your love. That's it. It's that simple. And over the years, I have come to refer to this as divine radiation therapy. So here's how I first encountered this phenomenon. When I went to Franciscan, I noticed that almost every student and professor had a spiritual director. And I mean, hello, there's a whole friary teeming with priests who can offer their time in shepherding the student body of Franciscan University. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal. So it was at the end of my first semester, and I kept noticing this growing desire to have a spiritual director. And I had never had one before. But what I had learned from those who I had asked was that if I had a spiritual director, it would help my prayer life and help my relationship with Christ. And like, who doesn't want that, right? Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you guys before, and if I have, my bad. I found a priest on campus that I felt called to, and I asked if he would direct me, and he agreed, right? But on two conditions. Well, technically one condition and one strong suggestion, right? And the condition was that I do one holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day, right? So one hour sitting still sounded grueling to me. And to do it every day, oh my goodness. But I did agree wholeheartedly. And the strong suggestion was for me to go to counseling, right? Because I was a mess. Just kidding. Well, maybe I'm not kidding. I mean, if I think about it now, like I was kind of a mess. Like I had so many wounds. I had some daddy issues, some scars of abuse, family addiction, unchaste relationships, and like this lifetime of buying into these lies of the culture of death. But the big reason for me to do counseling alongside spiritual direction was that it would show me the difference between the two, right? So Counseling, more or less, you learn tools to work through your baggage and to stay mentally and emotionally healthy going forward. 
Whereas spiritual direction is focused on your relationship with the Lord, you know, like what's happening in your prayer life, as well as what the Lord might be prompting you to do. So during my holy hours, I was told, okay, bring your Bible, go in, sit down, and read one chapter from the Gospels, any Gospel, right? Just read one chapter. As soon as you're done with that chapter, close your Bible and just sit there for the rest of the hour in silence, doing nothing. Oh my gosh. Okay, after I finally got used to sitting in silence, you know, trying to keep my mind from running amok, I did notice the most magnificent thing. Like I started to get to know Jesus. The person who was in the monstrance or in the tabernacle, depending on where I was, who was in front of me. He is a person, right? And so I got to know him. And I know I've said this before, and I can't stress it enough. Like I wasn't learning facts about Jesus, right? He wasn't like, okay, Rochelle, here's what you need to know about me. Get your pen and your paper out, right? It was Jesus speaking to my soul, right? He was healing my wounds, and he was changing my preconceived ideas about myself, about him, about the world, and my place in it. And when I say he was speaking to my soul, I don't mean I heard his voice, right? Like that's a special mystical experience that I have not been privy to. And I don't know if I would want to be. It'd probably scare the death out of me. Anyways, during my time in adoration, Jesus was communicating his truth and his love to me over and over again every single day for three years. And he was doing this through the thoughts and the memories that would surface during our time together. And of course this would happen, right? Because as St. Pope Paul VI reminds us, the Eucharist is revered in the church that Christ is truly Emmanuel, which means God with us. For he is in the midst of us day and night. He dwells in us in the fullness of his grace and his truth, right? So I'd like to challenge you guys for this next week, do a holy hour where you do nothing but sit alone with Jesus for at least three quarters of the time that you're together. And if you cannot do one full hour, do two half hours in one week. But the same rule applies. Like sit alone with Jesus for at least three quarters of the time that you're together. And if you need any convincing, just remember that the Eucharist, the blessed sacrament is Jesus, right? Jesus is God. God, the creator of the universe is in the room with you, just chilling, hanging out and waiting for you to give him some of your time just so that he can love you. Now, some of you might want specifics about how exactly to accomplish this hearing the Lord or like what exactly should I expect? And these are the answers that I'll give. One, you don't accomplish anything, God does. And all you need to do is just show up and wait. And sometimes that takes a little while. I know for me, it probably took a few months before I was attuned to the quiet whisper of God. Not to say he wasn't speaking. It's just I had to attune my soul to hear him in that special way. Now, two, unfortunately, I've never come across an explanation that hits the nail on the head. Like I've read other saints and doctors of the church who will use like metaphor or simile, and it just doesn't really capture that experience of prayer when the Lord's talking to you. And even afterwards, they'll say like, yes, and that doesn't even express the experience that I had with the Lord, you know? So even they know that what they're saying isn't really 
good enough to capture what happens when you're in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But I can say that the experience goes beyond one of intuition. And it's a knowing, but it's not a thought. And it always fills you with overwhelming peace, right? That sounds like a frustrating riddle and you're like, not helpful, Rochelle. But basically, you'll know it when it happens and your soul will become more attuned to that quiet whisper of the Lord. And you'll notice this happening more and more the more that you do it, right? So try it yourself. Your soul will love it and you will be able to transform the world by transforming yourself in this very intimate way with the Lord. Now, until next week, you can keep in contact with me on Instagram at Clumsy Theosis. Follow me there and you can message me. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. It's available on all major podcast apps. Just search Clumsy Theosis. And don't forget, tell your friends. All right, everybody. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in this week to Clumsy Theosis. Each week, we explore a topic within the Catholic faith to aid listeners like yourself, as well as yours truly, in the advancement and deepening of the spiritual life and the personal ownership of our relationship with the big guy upstairs and his church. As cliche as it sounds, the world needs you. Become who you were created to be with Clumsy Theosis, the place to transform the world by transforming yourself.